back to another episode of Bits Over Broadway. Bits, 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 over, <laughs> over, over, Broadway. And it is uh, March 2020. Whoops, sorry. It's January 2022. And yep. we are remote during COVID. <laughs> Yet again. <laughs> I love and it. And I am once again stuck in Illinois <laughs> without a microphone. Connor never not in the big IL. Um, classic. True, honestly. It honestly feels like that at this point. My TikTok uh, is fully trying to get me to move to Chicago. And I do blame you because mm. I've seen like seven TikToks in the last week of people being like, um, okay, I grew up in New York, but have you ever been to Chicago? <laughs> yes, like, mm, I've literally watched that TikTok. Uh, I like, saw you in deal. the comments. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I was like, get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> I will never not stand Chicago. It is the best. Get your big pizzas and your, your ch- hot dogs with no ketchup here. <laughs> get your everything covered in fries here. <laughs> Oh, that is pretty great. I meant mayo, but I said fries. Mitch, uh, edit that. (laughs) Here, let me get it. Let me get it clean. Okay. Mayo. Just drop that in. This is a clean Uh, drop. (laughs) Um, Connor, any biz? Uh, No, of course not. The world should be shut down. It's not, but we should. At this point, um, if there is biz, you should be fired, I guess. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I think that's End like the, the new biz. executive order or something End like the that. biz. <laughs> um, I have biz in the form of a discovery. I was talking with someone I work with today who lives in London, and he was like, the theater here is pretty cheap. And I was like, oh, okay. Like, how much? And he was like, well, you can do like, you know, $40, $50 a ticket. I'm like, to the west end he's like yeah like what the hell (laughs) it's terrible here i gotta leave (laughs) 40 or 50 dollars well pounds but well but i i mean what's the exchange rate i can't calculate that. somebody who's good at math like figure that out but honestly okay but they're in the musical we're talking about today judith light did say something about like do you think a tourist is going to pay 50 dollars to see this musical and my I was like, bring back, <laughs> no, bring back 1990 prices. <laughs> exactly. Oh, uh, I'm big mad about it. I'm big mad that the most, the cheapest ticket I can pay for for Broadway is like maybe 70 bucks. It's like, it's just outrageous. Um, it's like that. It's like that one video that you sent me where it's like $50. I'm not paying for it. $60. <laughs> That's basically $20. $60 is not $100, and so it is very cheap to me. So, therefore, it is cheap. $50 is so much. (laughs) $50 is way too much. $100, that's a steal. If you're getting something for like $100... It's true. I'm going to post that TikTok on our on our Twitter feed so that everyone I do too. can vibe. Um, it's like, and, and like $20 is basically $5. So it's like, yeah. And that's I'll pay for, true. I'll pay and that's it true. It's so true. It is true. <laughs> the math that we have to do in today's world is it's fucked unreal. Up. It's fucked up. <laughs> it's so fucked up. Inflation is just out of control. This is, this is not related, but it is um, on my mind these days. Uh, so my I'm from a place called Montgomery City, and I guess my dad calls it occasionally and fondly Monkey City, which is interesting. And I was like, I'm not sure why. I had never heard him call it that before this weekend. And my mom was like, yeah, he did sometimes. But did you know that other people also call it Monkey City? And I was like, no. <laughs> and she's like, it's because she's like, I saw a newspaper article from like the 1800s where a bunch of monkeys got loose in the city <laughs> and were causing mayhem in little Montgomery Mo. <laughs> what did they do? What did they do? Please tell me that they like formed a little like uh, a band of <laughs> and gallivanted through the town. It was reported that they liked to steal bananas and cigars. So listen. Unbelievable. They just sat on the corner eating bananas and smoking cigars. Well, that's the dream, truly. Uh, that's my retirement plan. <laughs> that's all I can afford, frankly. <laughs> True. Anyway, so I'll just be thinking about Monkey City for the rest of my life. 
I'm really interested to know how we got from inflation to Monkey City in your brain. We but I don't know if we have the time. Everything's just bubbling in like a big soup in there. Just every uh, once in a while something floats to the top. Um, I could I could go for a good soup right now. <laughs> so true. It is what's the temp in Chicago? Uh it has been in the single digits recently. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's currently, it's actually a little warm today. It's in the thirties. Okay. That uh, is warm. This past past week it was like nine degrees, eight degrees, like that kind of thing. With wind chill, it was below zero. So we love, it's a balmy 16 here in the city, in the big app. Sounds like a dream. All right. So no guest this week, just Connor and I solo. Uh, and we are going to discuss the Netflix original film, <laughs> not the original film, I don't think. Not the original. Tick, tick, boom. Tick, tick, boom. Tick, tick, boom. Uh, very excited to just go ahead and dive right in. This is going to be title of show, Rita. Uh, oh, uh, 100%. <laughs> Hopefully we're not as mad about this show as we were about a new brain. <laughs> <laughs> Fingers crossed. Um, Okay. Uh, Connor, hit us with some facts and figs. Facts and figs. Tick, tick, boom was directed by the one, the only, enemy of the pod, Lin-Manuel Miranda. (laughs) (laughs) It has a screenplay by um, Stephen Levinson of Dear Evan Hansen fame. Mm. It was based on the uh, monologue show uh, Tick, Tick, Boom by Jonathan Larson of Rent fame. Mm -hmm. Um, It premiered in November 10th, on November 10th, 2021, at the AFI Fest, uh, the American Film Institute Fest. And then it uh, had a very limited run in theaters for award season, and it made its way to Netflix on November 19th of 2021. Since it premiered, it has been nominated for several awards. Uh, it was nominated for two Golden Globes and one win. Uh, I think uh, Andrew Garfield won for like best performance in a comedy or musical. Um, it's been nominated for two Critics' Choice Awards, which um, they have not announced who won yet. And it was named um, one of the top 10 movies of the year by the American Film Institute. Um, And who knows, it might be nominated for an Oscar. I recently saw an article saying that there might be Oscar buzz. Who knows? And just a quick synopsis. Mm -hmm. Based on the musical of the same name, Tick, Tick, Boom tells the story of an aspiring composer, John, who lives in New York City in 1990. As his 30th birthday approaches, John worries about his lack of achievements and wonders if he made the wrong career choice. <laughs> and I ask you, whomst amongst yeah, us, who, who, as an artist, who? has not had this exact thing Truly happen to us? Not in a not in an emotionally or mentally stable enough place to be processing like someone's anxiety as their 30th birthday approaches, um, like what they're going to do with their life. I'm only two I, months out from my 30th birthday, like on the other side of 30, right, and I'm right. like. This is upsetting to me, viscerally, on a physical level. (laughs) I can't think about the fact that I'm turning 30 in eight months. Um, Yeah, just don't. Just don't think about it. This musical really um, felt like it was just shooting me in the face repeatedly. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was really fun. Correct. Correct. So thanks for that, John. Yeah. Um, Okay, as I said off mic, once again, remember every time I just think about Jonathan Larson that he is not gay. And as Connor helpfully pointed out, he did not die of AIDS. Um, no matter what rent leads you to believe. <laughs> this is this is a real, it's a real Dear Evan Hansen in the fact that he is not gay, but we think right. that we thought he might be. And he uh, does not kill himself. <laughs> he, right. He does not die of AIDS. He does not die of AIDS. Um, think of it in terms of, so the, the character in Rent, who is Jonathan Larson's stand-in, is Mark. Mm-hmm. Mark is straight. Oh, right, right, right. So, yeah. Honestly, news to me, because despite having seen and listened to Rent and having like a full two-hour episode on it, on this very pod I thought everyone in that show was gay. So, okay, here we go. Famously, no. <laughs> <laughs> Once again, quoting myself, who's the one who is gay? 
That's always my question. And I simply never know. I never know the answer. I just assume everyone. I think it's safer that way. Honestly, I think that is a better way to approach society. You're gay until proven otherwise. Until proven straight. (laughs) Thank you. Until you prove you're straight. I believe you are gay. (laughs) Um, And even after you prove you're straight, I still have questions. (laughs) And it's like, are you sure? Right. Because I was also very sure that I was straight sure. for a very long time of my life. I think it doesn't hurt to do sort of like a um, on the on the same rotation as your taste buds. I think you get taste buds every seven years. Like maybe just do okay. a quick check in. Like, hey, Uh-oh. still still straight? Are you sure? Is this positive? Is this what I want? Yeah. Um, here's a line that was emotionally devastating to me from this film. Sure. Uh, I don't remember the first part of it. it like some at some point you stop being a actor who's waiting tables and you become mm. a waiter with a hobby yep it's like <laughs> oh that hurts fuck me up yeah emotionally it's, it's not exactly nice there's also, judith light also has a really good um line about being a writer mm-hmm. where when he asks like well what do i do now and she goes you start on the next one mm-hmm. and then on the next one and then the next one and the next one and uh you just keep throwing stuff at the wall and hope to god something sticks that's what it is to be a writer mm-hmm. and i was just like cool attacked just shoot me in the fucking face attacked again attacked by one judith light <laughs> judith light you're a gift but i would ask you to please shut the fuck up please do kindly fuck right off listen I'm going to say this, and I'm going to say this once. If you are successful by 30, you have a book deal, Mm -hmm. you have a hit Broadway show, you have any of those big mile markers of success that we all thought we would have by 25. Mm -hmm. If you have any of that by the time you're 30, you're a cop. Don't talk to me. That's my number one rule. (laughs) Yeah, I don't want to see you. I don't even want to look at you. (laughs) I'm I'm done. I'm, I'm over it. I'm not doing it. I'm not looking. I'm not talking. And also, you're a cop. And also, you're a cop. Um, Did truly live for the line, nobody has ever given me a note on, like, the the concept of nobody has ever given me a note on this. I lied. <laughs> someone, <laughs> I lied. And that's all actors and creatives. Um, Someone absolutely has given you notes on that oh, thing. Yeah, and maybe multiple times. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And it's... It's not that uh, you didn't give me the notes. It's just that I didn't hear you give the notes. It's that I didn't like the notes. I didn't so like the notes, therefore it. I ignored it. <laughs> the note made me angry, so I <laughs> chose to not see it. It made me feel bad about myself, even if it did come from one Stephen Sondheim. If Stephen... And can we talk <laughs> about the Stephen Sondheim of it all? If Stephen Sondheim told me I did a good job, I'd puke. I'd... <laughs> I would throw up in front of him. If he was like, you did a good job and you wrote a good thing, I'd be like, like oh my God. <laughs> just a full body function. Yeah, no collapse. No speaking, no words, just open my mouth and barf falls out. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> if I like at the phone, the um, message at the end when it was actually Stephen Sondheim and he, mm-hmm. it was his voice. Uh, I got chills. I yeah. like fully. I was like, I almost started crying because, sure. of course, we are recording this after his passing. Of course. Um, but it like, and also, I just think that from this point on, Bradley Whitford should be contractually obligated to portray Stephen Sondheim until the end of his career. I thought he did a great job. Yeah, it was an inc- uh, like an incredible impression. <laughs> it really was. Like, and and I think. If Steven, if Steven Sondheim had not recently passed, I would not have seen so much footage of him right. of late, like to to compare to and be like, oh, my God, he did a really he's a really good actor. Oh, he's we should put this man actor. in film. Um, <laughs> Do you think he should like be nominated for an Oscar or something? I don't know. Maybe, <laughs> maybe an Emmy or two. Simply lived for Richard Kind playing oh, the like Ponzi musical theater critic. Uh, what a gift. Richard <laughs> Kind is a gift. Richard Kind is to asshole musical theater professor as Paul Giamatti is to tiny ponytail music producer man. Hell yes. Like so good at playing that role in a way that yeah. is so fucking upsetting. I couldn't agree more. I think you hit the nail right on that. Thank you. Um, <laughs> we're saying the same thing, but differently. But that differently. It truly made me 
scream out loud. <laughs> I had to stop the like watch i had to pause the video after he said that because mm-hmm. i was laughing mm-hmm. so hard i will say i really liked the music actually oh Surprise i actually twist. Really, i really think that i liked the music in this more than i liked the music in rent 100 percent. and i don't and i don't hate rent um no. i really do love rent sure. and it was very formative yeah. um but i do think that i liked this a lot more mm-hmm. um I, I felt like it was more varied if that makes sense. Yes, like 100%. A bit more to it Way more than, range. But, yeah, definitely. But I definitely, there's a lot of rent in this. Totally. Um, I saw one review from RogerEbert.com said that this almost feels like a first draft of rent. Yes. Yeah, I hear that. Yeah. Um, so all of these songs are in the like song cycle slash monologue tick, tick, boom that Jonathan Larson wrote and performed, right? There's no new songs. From what I understand, so Tick Tick Boom, as Jonathan Larson wrote it, changed a lot. So okay. um, it was originally a monologue that he did a workshop of and would perform by himself um, until uh, his passing. And then um, David Auburn, who wrote Proof, rewrote the show so it would be like a three-person musical. Mm. Um And David Auburn's version included songs from the actual superbia show that jonathan larson had been working on yeah um so they so like they are there are different versions of tick tick boom Mm -hmm. this version from what i've read is the majority the david auburn version though they did make a couple changes like the um one song that the the song that he like spends the majority of the show trying to write um they turned that into a duet Mm. Um, the one that the girl is supposed to sing in mm-hmm. the second act. I can't remember what it's called. Um, I don't remember the name, but Elizabeth is the girl. Yeah, Elizabeth, like the song that he's writing for Elizabeth. Mm-hmm. Um, they turned that song into a duet because in the stage show, um, the um, hit Susan and the actress who's singing in the workshop are the, played by the same actor. Ah, gotcha. Makes sense. So I don't remember any of the song names. I do have the track listing pulled up, but I just was sort of vibing, sort of just soaking in what the show was. Um, Absolutely. And I liked the way – I actually really liked this movie more than I thought that I would. Um, It's really good. I thought it was really excellent. Yeah, I really enjoyed the way that it cut back and forth between him doing sort of like the song cycle of Tick, Tick, Boom. Yeah. And then working on Superbia and – Really love that we didn't even touch the rent stuff. I like the choice to set it before he has his success. I just felt like yeah. I was so afraid we were going to watch him die. Like I was so afraid, not watch mm-hmm. him die, but I, f- I was afraid that was going to be sort of like the culmination of the movie. And yeah. I was really glad that that wasn't the case. I also did not know that Tick, Tick, Boom was a thing that Jonathan Larson wrote because I'm very bad at having a musical theater podcast. And that's the first thing you should know about me. So I did not know that he had another show um, that was popular besides Rent. So I was like, oh, this is a fun musical that Lin-Manuel Miranda made up about Jonathan Larson. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's definitely not that. He wrote this before he did Rent. So he he was working on this in like uh, uh, 92, like from 90 to 93. And then from... uh, 96 was rent i think okay. right yeah i think so, you're right mm-hmm. yeah 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 um but he was so he was working on on this like right before he wrote rent and then or before he went back to working on rent because he had been working on rent and uh, early on and then he left the project to decide to work on superbia and then he wrote tick tick boom when superbia fl- failed and then he went back to rent mm. um so i do think that uh Lin-Manuel Miranda, like, we, because we kind of get a little bit of, like, at the end when they're talking, like, using that framing device of, like, this is who Jonathan Larson was. He wrote Rent. So, like, it still connects you to that. Totally. And we do get a little bit about, like, his death, the aneurysm right, right. before Rent opened and that kind of thing. But uh, it's not, like you said, it's not the culmination. And yeah, it's, it's a really interesting um, thing because I think what we're supposed to take away from it is that like the Judith light character almost inspires him to Mm -hmm. write rent, uh, especially after that moment of, 
Um, he finds out that Michael is HIV positive, his best friend. And then Judith Light, he's on the phone with his agent. She says, write what you know. Yeah. And then like the next show is Rent, which is all about the 90s AIDS crisis and everything mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. Um, I'll be honest. That was tough. <laughs> yeah. It really was. It was so sad. Um. Yeah. I don't know why. I mean, I know why it's been top of mind lately. Um. Yeah. Living through a pandemic uh, now, 30 years later again. That's fun. Um, obviously very different, but still pandemic. And like, um, just thinking about like, I don't know, I can't even talk about I'll make myself cry. So I don't know why I'm even talking about this. Mitch, just cut right. it. I'm just like, it just makes me so sad to think about yeah, yeah. watching all of your friends die. It makes me... <laughs> makes me very sad so it's it's hard to to watch and outside um, of like like all the other like political and social bullshit of it all just the overwhelming loss of human life is so devastating to think about and then to add the grief of the political and the social on top of it is just like it's a lot. Um, but I feel like this movie does a good job with it. I was going to say I was going to I was going to say that I, I don't think that Rent necessarily handles the AIDS crisis badly, but I mm-hmm. think it definitely handles it on a much more personal level. Right. Whereas like this show, it kind of did feel like they were talking a little bit about like the moral majority and mm-hmm. like they talked more about like how the AIDS crisis was connected to the larger world at right. hand. Mm-hmm. And I think I liked that a little bit better than mm-hmm. just like the the singular version that we see in Rent. Yeah, I just felt like it was really well handled and interestingly done. Not even well handled, but like sort of having it as a running, there's a lot of threads kind of happening throughout this movie, but all of them feel really well, not even developed because sometimes things are just happening parallel to your life that don't develop and aren't and are just like you're dipping in and out of them. I feel like Watching this now during COVID was really helping to sort of like relay that um, or strengthen that connection a little bit. Like COVID is not the only thing. AIDS is not the only thing, but it is a huge thing and it is affecting all these little different facets of our life. Mm -hmm. But there's tons of other stuff happening on top of it. And I just felt like they did a really nice job. I didn't feel like anything got left out or anything got... um, touched on and then not picked up again i felt like all the touch points were really well placed and really well done and felt very um true to life and felt very just natural i i really enjoyed yeah the way that the story all came together i agree and i think like going to kind of leaning into the whole um title show of it all i like that like you said it's not just about him writing the show because it's, it's, that's like the overarching story, but it's how that aspect of his life touches everything else in his life, which we don't really get in title show because title show is just specifically about them writing that one show. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I think, and yeah. I think it was, it's, it's really well done because like, um, as somebody who is a writer, like when you are trying to work on the, those things, like there is a part of your brain that's always kind of just like running in the background. Like how, like for me specifically, it's like, okay, how am I going to word this one joke? And like, oh, I'm hanging out with a friend. And then mm-hmm. I did like, it just pops in your head. And like, then you're like writing on your phone while you're talking with your friend or something like that. So it's like, I liked that they were able to portray that aspect of being an artist really well and how like, it intersected with every other aspect of his life. Agreed. Um, really enjoyed their watching. It's it's Jonathan and uh, or John and I think Susan and Michael are watching Sunday in the Park with George yeah. on TV, and he says they should put every musical on PBS. Uh, clearly, someone is getting our letters, is listening Finally. to our podcast. <laughs> Make all the musicals available for me to watch, please. That's what I'm saying. Um, then I wrote my next note. The literal note after that is not a Lin Manuel cook cameo. <laughs> Listen, they had to do it. Lin Manuel 
is pathological in the sense that he will never not put himself in something that he works on. He is the Stan Lee of musicals. It's I'm sorry, he just did. Finally, somebody said it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Just a really quick cue. Um, How is Lin-Manuel Miranda's son going to go to a good school when he clearly called in every favor in the known universe to get every musical theater legend to be in the diner scene in one diner scene um <laughs> literally he's never like his kid has to go to public school now like Truly. he's never going to be able to cash in again that man wore out his rolodex calling in those favors correct for correct. sure i was but like ca- oh another scene, another another yes, there are so many <laughs> literally i mean every single person in that diner scene is somebody from broadway but like it was it was us watching babes in toyland just pointing out all of the the animal characters the animals. yeah it was me just being like, <laughs> like oh, Bernadette, <laughs> Exactly. Don't you peek. Exactly that. Extremely that. <laughs> Just like, oh my God, all these people, what is happening? Um, yes. But I loved it. That one, I thought that, I thought Sunday was a really beautiful scene and a really yeah. like it's also just like really heartwarming to know that brunch has been miserable for 30 years <laughs> i think yes. that's like emotion like as a human universal that's just how we are as a people brunch has always been bad it's not just recently bad it's it's always been bad it honestly feels now like when we go to brunch and we're incredibly loud and we get mm-hmm. kicked out of a restaurant mm-hmm. it feels like we're carrying on a tradition yeah i am jonathan larson <laughs> writing rent <laughs> when i get kicked out of la palapa for having a bottomless margaritas uh, i'm the same yeah. we're the same we- we are the same. Um, and in fact, uh, we will soon be nominated for a Pulitzer Prize as well. God uh, willing. <laughs> just for this podcast. For the transcripts of this podcast that <laughs> yes. we publish. Um, <laughs> subscribe to our Patreon to get your published transcripts. To the Patreon, please. <laughs> magazine. Um, I, I, but yeah, going back to that Sunday scene, I really loved it. I, it's so beautiful. I love that it's an inversion of Sunday. Mm-hmm. It's not Sunday exactly, but it's like, everything is instead of them going up they go down and everything like that i love that to kind of like you know uh i don't know maybe like make a comment about the seediness of sunday brunch (laughs) um (laughs) but i also really thought for a second i was kind of like why is there all this sunday like referencing and then i was like oh it's because sunday in the park with george is also about a great artist creating his work Mm -hmm. um and there's a lot of parallels between it which i thought was really good yeah um like the whole thing with him and Susan and finishing um, it's very finishing the very hat. finishing the hat <laughs> very finishing that um yeah I just I I really loved all those little homages like that was really, really yeah wonderful. and uh, correct me if I'm wrong but I feel like I just have this have absorbed this knowledge through the ether um that Lin-Manuel Miranda is also or was also in close contact and friends with Stephen Sondheim yes and cites him like as an inspiration mentor situation I believe he was um and that uh Lin-Manuel also talks a lot about how Rent was sort of like his moment Mm -hmm. that like pushed him toward writing in the heights and that kind of thing so like this is essentially his love letter to Jonathan Larson but also to Broadway as well for sure. As yeah. I remember um, because I was on Tumblr in 2016. Hello. When Hamilton uh, came onto the scene. Oh, of course. I do remember like a lot of Lin-Manuel Miranda talking about how like the lottery for rent, which was yeah. changing the face of Broadway and what Broadway like accessibility meant um, and how much that inspired him and how much that like opened up the world to him of Broadway and all of that jazz. So Shout out, Jonathan Larson. You really... um, Jonathan Larson is the little domino, and the big domino is the cast of Hamilton singing at the January 6th Resurrection Memorial. Insurrection Memorial. (laughs) I fucking can't. I fucking can't. When I heard that that happened, I almost fucking, I don't know, walked into oncoming traffic. Yeah, just absolutely no. It's Um, a big N-O for me. It's a big and we should not be like celebrating the fact that our country survived an attempt to overthrow a democratic election. 
Like that should not be a moment of the celebration. That should be a moment of, hey, maybe our country's a little fucked and we should do something to fix it. Yeah. And like, what I, a waste of time. <laughs> like, we don't need a memorial. Just like do something. Truly yeah. anything. I Enshrine voter protection laws in the fucking constitution. Like, oh. Give me money. I don't know. Yeah, that too. I'm just, no bad ideas in a brainstorm, I say. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. <laughs> that's what Nancy We're Pelosi said, and that's thing, why Hamilton happened. <laughs> We're saying the same thing, but differently. Um, okay. Did love that the guy, I loved the uh, rap breakdown. Let me think of the that name really of that funny. song. Um, Did you see all the posters behind him and like what they said? So I saw some of them. Play game. Um, yeah, play game. There's like a couple of posters. There was like... Um, because instead of describing like what the musical, like the title of the musical is like describing what the musical was. So it was like a show with old songs that you already love or um, uh, a British mega musical and like, gotcha. I taking shots those. at like the current like trends that were on Broadway in the nineties, which was fun. Dang. That's why you should not do your homework while you do the dishes. Then you miss <laughs> funny jokes. Yeah, that's true. But I did fully love that Tariq Totter, um, the man who's singing that song is then online to audition for old dude. Old dude. I love an old dude. Shout out. <laughs> uh, oh, it was great. That was really fun. Um, I think that I really like that. Um, this show is like a better version of a new brain and that we actually mm. realize that, um, because one of the problems with a, a new brain is that like we're never shown that he's a great talent. He just keeps telling us that he is. Yeah. And I feel like this, th we actually like spend time with Jonathan Larson to see him and like hear the things that he wants to put out in the world, mm -hmm. um, as opposed to the like really shitty song that you hear in <laughs> a new brain. Um, but I feel like uh, this this show does the work of actually proving that Jonathan Larson was a great talent. Not that we needed that proof, but right. it's it's good that they were doing the legwork. That's true, and uh, yeah, I really enjoyed the like struggling actor playwright of it all. Of I got a showcase, and that is. I guess this is more like big picture, but that is supposed to be your lucky break. Like the showcase is supposed to be the thing. Right. And that and that is the attitude throughout the whole film. And that's what causes all the conflict. Right. He's he's ignoring relationships, friendships, um, health, <laughs> mental wellness, hygiene in right. order to like get this showcase going and then nothing comes of it. Um, and picking yourself back up after that is just exhausting. Truly, the thought of it would—it makes me want to crumble. He's a stronger man than I. <laughs> Which is one of the reasons why, like that scene where he goes to Michael and he's like, "Give me a yeah. job." It's so realistic. Oh, yeah. It just—it feels like you know you're finally at that like who like we've all been mm -hmm. there. You're finally at the end of your rope, and you're just like, "I want out. I'm fucking done." Yeah, it's I'm over yeah. it. When Michael says, he's like, you did it. And Michael's like, I'm a, I'm a dumb actor. Like, do you know how many yeah. dumb actors there are? I was like, I am Michael. <laughs> it, he Literally. is a mirror to me. <laughs> I'm a dumb actor who works I, in a corporate job now. Thank you. <laughs> right. I know. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, brought to you by Bits of Broadway. Yeah, truly um, that. <laughs> truly. It's yeah. Can I say something controversial? I would love for you to. I too. did not care about Susan. Listen, <laughs> when she and he, when he, when 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 John and Susan have the huge fight. Now that scene when, rules. Okay, but let me hear. Go let off. me hear what you say when they have this huge fight. I was going to say that I do not play those read between the lines. This is what I actually want to hear from you kind of bullshit game. Fair enough. I think that's ridiculous. If you want to have a conversation with someone, you need to be direct with them. Mm. In my opinion, okay. I don't want any of this. Like, um, like what she says, she's like, I wanted you to yeah, tell me not that's to go. A little much. That's like, I'm mm, just be direct with I somebody. should amend I didn't love the fight scene but I loved the song therapy yes that is what I meant when I said that scene ruled I loved the cuts okay. of 
Andrew Garfield and Vanessa Hudgens singing therapy interspersed with the big fight. I thought I think therapy is super fun. I think it's really uh, true, but in like a poking fun kind of way. Like I just really, really enjoyed the song, the fight. Again, I don't care. I don't care about Susan. I don't care about her teaching in the Berkshires. Like you got to make that choice for you. That's yeah. Stop putting that on someone else. Like, whatever um yeah she was a jimmy on the side for me <laughs> she, she was fully a jimmy on the side i felt i felt more connected to michael as a character sure. even though we don't spend a lot of time with him that relationship between jonathan and michael Feels felt more so fleshed out deep and so real like yeah i get it jonathan larson's horny for susan like he he like they have a sexual intense relationship and they're and he clearly loves her from the like one clip we see of him talking about her dancing but yeah to me michael felt like the true like loving relationship of the film and i think yeah their reconciliation is given much more weight so i think the film agrees with us like i would fully agree susan comes back and is like oh sorry i didn't come right. but we're cool now whereas the reconciliation with michael happens over a couple scenes and like is really mm-hmm. just like full their whole fight the, the the breakdown of their relationship versus the breakdown of his and susan's relationship Especially because therapy is kind of played as a joke. Yeah. Um, whereas the... What's the song that plays when they fight in the office? Is... Uh, your, real, real life. life? Yeah. Real life? Versus real life is like, oh, this is not a moment of levity. This is not poking fun at this relationship. This is right. real life. Pun. Um, But I, I think the film agrees that this this is the more important relationship and... Susan is fine, but Michael is the person that is like the steadfast force in his life who I would say puts up with his shit even longer than Susan does. um, Absolutely. And is fighting for him and supports him and says, you cannot quit your job. You cannot quit what you're doing because you are important and you are talented. And just being that supportive like force for him is right. I think it's really well done and beautiful. I agree. I I definitely think it's really interesting because there's again, going back to like those parallels between Sunday and the park with George, it's almost like Michael is dot to (laughs) um, him as opposed to Susan, who you would expect would be the dot character because there's like that moment where Michael says, why can't he just tell her that he loves her? And it's like, this is, and I think he says something like, well, he does or something like that. And we see, um, we see John tell Susan that he loves her mm-hmm. all the time in the show, yeah. but we never really see that with Michael, but there's still that, like that deeper, like you said, the deeper connection is between Michael and mm-hmm. John. And there's, I, I feel like there's never a moment where Michael or John says to Michael, I love you, but there's a lot of, um, like the, like he says in the final song, actions speak louder than words. Like when he shows up after finding out that he has, he's HIV positive, like he says, okay, we'll go to the support group. I'm going to be there for you. Yeah. Like he shows love to Michael as opposed to showing it to Susan. Totally. If that makes sense. I think, I think there's a really interesting difference also in how he relates to other people as he's working um, or procrastinating, whichever, however you would categorize it. But sure. There's a moment where, Su- like, whenever Susan is around, she's kind of, like, in the background, checks in on him, gives him a kiss, and then he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah I'm working, whatever, da 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 um, And then there's a scene where he's <laughs> dicking around, listening to music. Um, he's, like, bouncing a balloon in a frying pan and <laughs> other things. Yeah. And then Michael's like, okay, I'm going to go to my house now. Goodbye. And he's like, oh, please don't go. Please stay. Right. Please don't leave. <laughs> I need I need your physical presence here and I was like right. yeah that's love like that's that's love. that's love that's a real ass thing when you're just like I no but I need you to be right next to me while I'm working on my computer please like, 100%. no you don't understand it's really important that you sit here while I am working 
great. I just need to feel like the weight of your body in yeah. the air. Yeah, exactly. Not, you're not even touching me. I just you're know, you're, I just I know that you. there's a presence near me <laughs> yeah. and I know that you're present. Yeah. Here's a question. Um, if your power gets shut off, does your landline still work? Actually, yeah. That's it like does? a thing. Oh, yeah. okay. Okay. I remember I, I had the same similar question because famously we I, we grew up in the Midwest, which is famously tornado country. <laughs> yes. And we used to have, uh, we used to lose power all the time, but sure. like our landline would always still work. Oh. Apparently it's like an entirely separate thing. I just assumed it did. I guess it's true. I guess it just plugs into the little phone jack. I guess there yeah. isn't like a power cord. Yeah. Cause like I remember when we, when I was younger and we would like lose powers during storms or like yeah. tornadoes or something like that, we would still be able to call like my grandma to check on her. I guess to, like, that make makes sure sense. she was okay or something. It's just been yeah. so long since I've. No one has landlines anymore. I know. It's so true. <laughs> um, now here's my, for my my parents who but their landline isn't even a landline anymore it's just a cell phone with our landline, <laughs> with our phone landline number, number. <laughs> and what is your no just kidding they use it so never mind <laughs> um i was gonna I'm say gonna myself on my own podcast. i do remember my old home line which is <laughs> baby how oh. many old numbers how many of your friends landlines can you remember i mm, i used to remember my best friends from uh, childhoods, but I don't think I remember it anymore. And I never knew my grandma's because we had her on speed dial. Love so all I only I only ever had to hit the number three, and it would dial it for me. Grandma's number three. Okay, love. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> How many do you remember? Um, I could probably do two landlines, but I have a couple cell phones memorized. Which... I only have my mom's cell phone memorized, and that's it. Because <laughs> I have to put her down for emergency contact. So just time. over and over, yeah. Yeah. Um, that's why I have Mitch's phone number memorized, but he mm. has not memorized mine. It's wow, called Mitch. a labor imbalance. <laughs> <laughs> and we will be filing a union and complaint. We will be taking this up the ladder, Title Nine, <laughs> baby. <laughs> um. Speaking of phones, I feel like this show is a love letter to landlines. It really <laughs> is. So many phone calls. And which is very rent, I feel. Um, oh, extremely. And they they're with the whole thing with rent even is like they have nods to it with like the when he says speak before the phone calls when he's screening his calls there's even a moment like right at the beginning where somebody calls and says like i can't get the equipment to work which is a direct call mm -hmm. to the fucking beginning of rent like it's there's those little nods to rent are everywhere through tick tick boom which is really cool and i think the reason that it worked is that he isn't writing rent in the movie like if he had been writing rent and we were seeing all that happen, I would be right. like, my eyes would be stuck to the back of my head. I would be rolling them so hard. But like, yeah, all of that happening. And then at the end, Judith Light saying, write what you know. It's like, what oh, you know. Okay, yeah. okay, okay, okay. I, I'm on it. I'm vibing. I like it because, because it's sort of playing in the background. And if you're super familiar with Rent, then I think it clicks. But like, mm -hmm. I, I'm only marginally familiar with rent. So <laughs> I know that voicemails and screening calls are like part of that show, but I didn't right. recognize like the actual direct line reads. So thought that was fun and a cool little fun connection. Yeah, I completely agree. I think it works better than if we were to witness him writing the show and okay. i was actually interested like curious to see if superbia was actually a real show that he worked on and it was i was just gonna say um, i'm desperate to listen to superbia or read it right it sounds um, super I, interesting well i mean when he described what it was i was like okay this isn't it's even TikTok. a satire you're just describing tiktok, <laughs> <It's> TikTok. literally <laughs> and i want to i really i really want to know if that was a rewrite that they did that Lynn manuel put in for this version or yeah. if that was a new version. I need version. to know if that's real or if that is Ryan Murphy writing exactly. the Kim Kardashian bit into uh, the O.J. Simpson show. Like, <laughs> Not this. <laughs> Not this. Um, yeah. Is it real or are you doing like meta commentary, you stupid yeah. bitch? Uh, that's what I want to know. I, I would really love to get my hands on the superbia 
uh, manuscript. I suppose we could just hunt down Lin-Manuel Miranda and demand he answer us. <laughs> well, I think we should hunt down Lin-Manuel Miranda, but for other reasons. <laughs> and when we get around to it, we'll just ask this too. Yeah, I'll, <laughs> I'll put it on my list that. of questions for when I interrogate Lin. <laughs> for, for, for when I interrogate him for why did you do this to musical theater? <laughs> why are you like this? Um, okay. I know that we, before the we started recording, we were like, we're going to take an act break at this point, And then we have simply not adhered to any sort of chronological order whatsoever. Yeah. So let's just go ahead and take a quick break right now. And then we'll be right back. So as I told Connor, I fully did not realize that Vanessa Hudgens was in this film as much as she was in it. But to me, I thought she just showed up at the end to sing Elizabeth's song that he had written. And that was exactly enough Vanessa Hudgens for me, like personally. I couldn't agree more. She was com- she was basically a background actor who like had featured solos. And God bless. And um, I think that's like, like you said, the perfect amount of Vanessa Hudgens. Like I said off mic, we don't need Vanessa Hudgens to be Rizzo. No, we, we don't. don't need that. We don't need that. We really don't. She can, she's like a pinky at best. At best. At best. Um, um, we also did discuss our favorite actress in the entire movie, who's the woman at the Strand mm-hmm. when he's selling his records and he takes the Godspell record out of the crate and she goes, oh no, he's keeping the Godspell. Day by day. <laughs> Loved um, it. Queen, icon. Legend, star. Not reference. <laughs> um, just, uh, I hope that she gets a, an Emmy or a, an Oscar nomination. Just she for that. is getting Delivery. one on my Oscar bingo card. Woman uh, at you. Strand who's, <laughs> who is mean. <laughs> <laughs> Incidentally, also on my resume, on my bingo card and my and resume. resume. Woman at the I'm, Strand who was mean. <laughs> who was mean. I love it. I think that's great. Role I was born to play. Um, I have okay. to say that I know we're jumping around a lot, yeah, but jump. I got to say, Advertising, working in advertising (laughs) seems like absolute hell. I am so sorry to all my media and advertising friends because I have been Jonathan Larson as played by Andrew Garfield in this film so many times to them. It's like unbelievably rude. (laughs) Just like I'm that's rude of me and I'm sorry that I did that you're all my Michaels and I love you all so much and I'll give you all big kisses <laughs> um I will also piggyback on that but I'm sorry your your job seems awful <laughs> <laughs> not an apology actually and he is rescinding his big kisses so <laughs> exactly. <laughs> here's a scene I didn't need okay swimming interesting I didn't care about that like, like, just in general, like all of the swimming, or just that one song. Um, like when he is physically in the pool doing laps. Like, yeah, and like and that's when that. he gets the in, the inspiration for the song. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't understand. I, you're just swimming, my guy. Well, you know, Meryl, um, famously artists sometimes get like strikes of inspiration (laughs) wherever, whenever they please. Yeah, when Uh, they swim down to the bottom of a pool. I thought he was dying. I legit thought I was like, oh, no, maybe this is because he had a heart condition. (laughs) Not the aneurysm, but I thought, well, one, I did think that at first because I was like, I thought suburbia was a stand in for rent Um, Mm. and that they just didn't want. Like maybe they didn't have the rights to rent. I don't know. My brain was doing some weird stuff trying to like logic all of this into place. And then I was like, oh, no, he's definitely not dead. But what if because I couldn't remember. I knew he died of a heart thing, but I couldn't remember if it was like a genetic thing or just a random freak thing. And so Mm. I was like, oh, maybe this is a heart thing because there's also this weird frantic energy happening as an undercurrent in the movie of where he feels like he's running out of time. And the the time that he's running out of is like his 30th birthday, quote unquote. But it feels way more intense than that. And so I was like, oh, maybe it's because he has this genetic heart thing. Sure. Like, or whatever. And he, so he's having episodes and he's 
you know, anyway, that's not the case. Um, he's just getting struck by inspiration in a swimming pool, which seems dangerous to me. He was underwater for a long time. Well, I, I guess as somebody who has had to swim down to the bottom of a 50 meter pool before. That's um, too far. It's too far. It's too far. Sure. Make it make it like a three foot pool. That that's fine. Mm-hmm. We, it doesn't need to be. It doesn't need to be the bottom of a fifty meter pool. That's too much. Also, I know this is very like throwback early days of the pandemic uh, yeah. thoughts to have, but I just have been of late marveling at people being in New York in public places. Like oh sure. Well, he went to the gym. I guess you can do that. I guess you could go swimming. Like, right. I haven't considered being uh, exerting myself in a room full of people in two years because that would be very dangerous. <laughs> but I guess I guess you can do that. Um, so I was mostly marveling at like the thought of going to the Y for a swim. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's what I was spending that song doing. Or also uh, the scenes where he's on the subway and just, just vibing. Just vibing on the subway. I know that was life for more years than it wasn't. But I'm just like so... I don't know. There's just How no public life now. To the new normal, I guess. I guess. I don't know. Ugh. Seasonal affective disorder is hitting, baby. Listen, <laughs> it's Jan. I'm a locked in my house and I am sad, baby. <laughs> and uh, coronavirus is not going anywhere. Coronavirus. In fact, it is coming. In fact, it's, it's coming like maybe harder and more somehow. <laughs> harder and more than it ever has before. It said, oh, baby, you want a third act? I'll give I'll you a third give act. give you a third act. This is the torch song. Um, okay. <laughs> This is the 11 o'clock number, correct? God willing. God willing, Omicron. Fucking cross. (laughs) Is the third. Get me out of here. Um, (sighs) Yeah. Um, Okay. So swimming, I didn't, it was fine. I guess I get it in terms of he needs to be inspired. Also love that his computer died and he's like, how will I write this song after we had seen him purchasing a notebook? Right. Empty. Like, how will you write it? You'll get a pen and fucking paper out like Beethoven, right. you dumb bitch. Like, that's <laughs> how musicals have been written for years. Get over exactly. it. I know. I That was that was really funny. And I kind of figured that was where it was going, which it does. Sure. But it was also like, it's very much like, you know. I get it. You're panicking. You're panicking. It's literally the night before. And Whomst Amongst Us hasn't been on deadline when their, you know, yeah. power has been turned off. Who, who? I also was really like heartened to realize that there were just as many distractions uh, pre-internet as there as there are now. Um, just different. You can just bounce a balloon in a frying pan, and that's a really entertaining way to kill some time. Yeah, it makes me feel really, really good that um, this has just been a problem for artists in memoriam mm-hmm. um, all eternity. For all eternity, they, if you give an, a writer a deadline, they will find something to play with that is not the thing that we're supposed to be working on. 100%. And that's a rule of physics. I will say when he is writing in that notebook, I fully like lost my mind and was like, if if someone was like, make up a song. Well, one, I no, I can't. Um I, I don't have that ability. And two, like, I know that writing is essentially like writing music is essentially the same thing as writing like poetry or something like that. But in my brain, it just feels like something so like yeah. foreign and unattainable. I mean, the I lyrics, miss- sure. The right. literal writing the music, like the thought of having to draw a half note on a <laughs> fucking treble clef. Is that what what it's the bars yeah, you, you got it you got it right. yeah i was in band for two years okay <laughs> don't don't Trouble come for me the clefs, there's uh, bass and yeah up top what's the big one what's the high one treble's the a medium right treble not tre- uh it's treble and bass and then is there a third there's uh i think it's called a tenor clef as well mitch uh mitch what's the clefs don't shake your head just answer the question <laughs> Yeah, tenor clef is a type of C clef used by some instruments. Okay, all right. Um, yeah, there's there's different clefs. Yeah, even having to know that information makes me want to like absolutely run into the street. <laughs> yeah, no. And then I have to write music for all the instruments and all the parts. Nah. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> no, no. Um, you never had to do a music theory class in 
band? No, Connor, I'm from Monkey City. We did not have music theory in our band class. We had so it was we didn't have it in band, but in our choir we had to do music theater like music theater theory lessons. Wow. And I famously basically failed every single one. Yeah, music theory is hard. Did you ever take jazz yeah. pop and rock at Mizzou? <clears throat> no, no, I never did. I almost did. And then like so many people in my sorority were like, it is famously incredibly difficult because it's like music theory for non-music majors. <laughs> like, oh. And the professors was be a real dick. But um, it's probably for the best because I could barely read music when I was actively learning how to read music <laughs> while playing an instrument. I would say 20% of the time I was guessing what note I should be playing, like what my That's fingers okay. were supposed to be doing <laughs> and how I was supposed to be holding my mouth. When were you in band? What what grade? Sixth and seventh grade, baby. Okay. Okay. Yes, we. D- oh wait, up to freshman year. That's not true. I was in band for like a long time and was okay, still as bad at the end of band as I was at the beginning of band, in my opinion. Go off. So I mean, I mean, like fr- like middle school band, nobody is good. Okay, fair enough. Oh, yeah, except for you so, and your music theory. <laughs> that was I didn't take music theory until fucking high school. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> yeah, okay. like and because it was choir, it was all stuff about like solfege and that kind of thing. And I like I didn't I couldn't fucking uh, I I could I didn't understand any of that. Yeah, fair <laughs> enough. I went from band to choir, and in band you don't have to learn solfege; you just learn. The, how to play the notes on your you instrument. just come in on time and get close and that's Thanks, good that, enough that's that is good enough yeah all i had to do was do a little toot 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 on my saxophone and i was good Baby. but then i go to choir and he's like what's doe and i was like i don't know what female deer <laughs> 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 brother i don't know search me, me? <laughs> you, me? me a person in this class no i don't know the I know. answer i don't know that um so anyway i guess i'm just what i'm trying to say is people who have that ability are incredible talents and i respect them deeply <laughs> and i'm sorry to all the people i have like libelously slandered <laughs> Both libeled and slandered on this very podcast. <laughs> on this very podcast. That we yeah. have evidence. Yeah. That I would us. sit on this couch and be like, okay, you wrote a musical, but it wasn't even that good. Like, no, it's an incredible, you're, you've done more than I ever will in my whole life. Yeah, 100%. Um, this is my apology and to six. <laughs> <laughs> you heard it here first, ladies and gents, and uh, those in between. We finally right. issued an apology to six. That's right. And now all is one. All as well. I just, it's just like you did a really good job, and I'm just really proud of you. See, this is what happens when we have been cut off from Broadway completely. (laughs) This is what happens when I'm alone in my house, and I'm like, oh my god, he's trying so hard. He's drawing all the half notes in. (laughs) That would take so long. (laughs) Um. Okay. So I think. Is that everything? Have we touched? Is there anything we missed, Connor, in your uh, notes? Oh, I did want to shout out the cat actor. <laughs> the cat there, the cactor, oh, if you will. The paw work when he the opens work. the bathroom door. The bathroom door. Star. The, legend. The fact that he was able to squint his eyes as if saying, how dare you not clean out my litter box? Yeah. I mean. Get out of the bathroom, idiot. We have to clean. We have to clean. We have to write. I like this cat is probably a better actor than most people. I would I would argue. He's certainly better than me. A hundred percent. Certainly. He could act circles around me. That's fair. I, I'm not and I'm man enough to admit that. <laughs> and, and I know my limits. I know <laughs> what I'm capable of. And I don't exactly. have the comedic timing of that cat. And I no. know that. And I'm okay <laughs> with that. I made peace with that today. Okay. Well I'm happy for you. Thank you. <laughs> it was a big day for me. I had a lot of revelations. <laughs> I, I feel like that's probably did good. something to me. Um, it really did. I was, um, I, go ahead. Also, was wondering: Do you? I wanted to ask you personally: uh, Do you think that this video, this movie, has anything new to say about like the creative process or being an actor or artist that we haven't seen before? No, I don't think so. I feel like, as far as a movie about writing a, a creative piece of work, it fell into the same tropes that all movies about writing a piece of work do but yeah. i think it did a good job of not being annoying in the way that they did that i, f- I felt like mm-hmm. 
the um like we said like the ways he's killing time the uh just various procrastinations and screening calls and intensity like I felt like they were well done enough to not be annoying. So I didn't think it had anything particularly new to say, um, mm-hmm. except that I loved that it didn't work. I loved that this was about the non-success. Yeah. Um, and I don't feel like that's ever the main story. I feel like sometimes you see maybe a rejection montage or um, and and I thought that's kind of where it was going when right at the top of the show, he talks about like. My name is Jonathan Larson. I have rejection letters from every major publishing right. house, Broadway producer, da, 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 and I'm not even 30. I was like, okay, is this our rejection montage? And I love that the show is about ultimately a rejection. Like yeah. he does not succeed. He does a really great job. Everyone tells him he did a great job and it's still, it's not good enough. The show right. itself is not good enough to, to go to broad or not good enough to go to Broadway, but not good enough to be sold, um, right. which I think is very different from good enough to go to Broadway. Yeah. hundred percent. I, I did. I did enjoy that aspect of it. What about you, Connor? Did you feel? I I couldn't agree more. Um, I really did, like you said, enjoy that. Uh, Because I feel like it kind of like gave that that moment that Judith Light has where she says you do and then you start work on the next one and then the next one and that's what it is to be a writer. Mm -hmm. I feel like that's kind of like almost like the thesis statement of Mm -hmm. this show, Mm -hmm. um, which I think is really excellent. Um, And I couldn't help but think, um, so over the Christmas break, I watched The Man Who Invented Christmas, which Mm -hmm. is all about Charles Dickens writing um, A Christmas Carol. Mm -hmm. And it's very similar to this movie. But this movie does it, uh, approaches like the creative process and uh, that incessant need to create that artists have um, or some artists have uh, it approached it so much better than the man who invented Christmas um, or um, uh, a new brain or any of the other shows. I mean, like it's, I, it's, it's unfair to com- to like compare this to uh, I feel like title show mm-hmm. because they're two different things. Totally. I feel like this and a new brain are very similar. If that makes sense. Interesting. Okay. Just I because hear you. I feel like it's, it's a, it's a similar theme of like my time is running out. I need, mm-hmm. I have all these things inside me that I need to get out and share with the world. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm not going anywhere. Like they're similar, a lot of similar beats in them. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas like titled show, I feel like is more, um, I don't know. Uh, it's just more comedic. It's like more making fun of the creative process. Yeah. Than it it's playing it for laughs for sure. Yeah, a hundred percent. And I feel like a new brain and um, this are kind of, following the same track when i when i compare this show to title show i am comparing it only in the way that it makes me emotionally bereft oh, okay i feel that <laughs> because i am not successful that is yeah. that's the connection for me <laughs> i also agree with that too. i love but, um, that you said that the thesis statement of this show is that you just keep writing and you keep going and you've taken like this very like hopeful interpretation and thesis from this movie and mine was I cannot out act a cat and deserve my corporate job <laughs> oh well you know two different perspectives Listen, I guess we just take well, you take we what you take <laughs> you take what yeah, you take <laughs> you take what you take and you don't complain I guess and you don't throw a fit um okay I don't think there's anything else for me yeah, no, I think I, I really liked that. Um, I, I really liked the framing device. I thought it was a really great adaptation, like as far as music, movie musical adaptations totally. go. Um, I feel like they used the movie uh, medium really well. I really liked the like framing device of him performing Tick, Tick, Boom. And it's like the movie is happening in his head. Um, I thought that was really great. And I really liked that at the end during the credits, we actually got to see like actual footage Me too. of Jonathan Larson. I thought that was really a, a really nice touch. Me too. Um, and I guess that's my man in chair. <laughs> I was just going to say, let me, uh, uh, Mitch, let's get this clean. Connor, man in chair this. <laughs> and then you can just drop that right in before yeah. Connor talks. Um, I will say that I was very surprised that I enjoyed Andrew Garfield as much as I did. I don't oh, yeah, think. And upon reflection, He's like a renaissance right now. yeah. Upon reflection, I don't know that I've actually ever seen him in a film, <laughs> so I guess I just have this aversion to him because of like seeing him on the internet. I don't know. He's a specific <laughs> type of like thin noodle man that just 
annoys me and is not attractive he was, he to was me. very much like one of the darlings of 2012 tumblr yeah and just like if i know that i am physically larger again this all goes back to the phantom of the opera discovery so we made which yes. is that i have to be so small and if you are <laughs> my partner and you're smaller than me that's just simply not gonna work for me <laughs> This is not going to work. And also my only reference for Andrew Garfield acting is uh, famously, I did this impression on our podcast a couple of years ago of him being like trapped in an iron lung where he's like... I don't even remember what he says now. But that's that was like my exposure to Andrew Garfield. And so like I was waiting with bated breath until he started talking because I was like, what if he does the polio voice? He's not gonna do the polio voice. What if he does what if he does the like if I loved you voice? But he didn't. He didn't do that. I'm proud of him for having the range. Thank God he he didn't do the same performance that he did in an earlier movie, I guess. Devastating to me. Um, (laughs) God. No, I thought he was great and I enjoyed his singing voice. Uh, Thought he did a good job. Thought he was fun to watch, fun to be on screen. I was not annoyed by him as I was afraid I might be. That's the highest praise I've got. (laughs) (laughs) I guess, is that your man in chair? Yeah, that's my man in chair on Andrew Garfield. And now for my man in chair on Tick Tick Boom. <laughs> Good. Watch it. I mean, like, it's two hours and yeah. it's enjoyable. A long for my taste, but you know. It was, but if you, let me tell you, if you do it while you're watching the, washing the dishes, it goes by in a flash. <laughs> if you have it on in the background while you're trying to send emails for the job that pays you money and not the job you do for fun on the side, it's, it goes like so fast amen um yeah connor anything to plug um no as usual you can find me across all platforms at the really a12 i am on twitter tiktok and instagram you can find anything funny that i am working on there meryl how about you Nothing for me, but you can follow this podcast uh, across all platforms at Bits Over B-Way. You can email us, bitsoverbway at gmail.com. You, we are also on Patreon. You can find us there, uh, patreon.com slash bitsoverbway. We are uh, everywhere you can get podcasts, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Google, Apple Podcasts, all the places. If we're not there, let us know and we will get there. Um, and I think... That's it. Is there something else I usually say? We haven't done this in weeks. Um, okay. I think so. All right. That's all. Bye. Bye. No speaking, no words. Just open my mouth and barf falls out.